Hi, my name is Andy Chamberlain. I'm a writer and creative writing tutor, and you are listening to the Creative Writers Toolbelt, the podcast that gives you practical, accessible advice that you can apply straight away to your own writing. And welcome to episode 81 of the Creative Writers Toolbelt. In the last episode, we started to look at a whole new dimension of creative writing, and that is crafting the scene. And in this episode, we're going to use the development of a scene to illustrate a critical aspect of the author-reader relationship, and that's the implied deal which you, the author, have with your readers. We're going to look at what that deal is and how you can make good on the expectations that the reader will have that you're going to be both competent and honest. We'll explore some techniques that you can apply scene by scene. And to help us, we're going to borrow a practice from the world of theatre known as blocking. But before I get onto this topic, I want to say something about the crowdfunding campaign I'm running to develop a handbook which will distill all of the best advice and insight from all of the episodes of the podcast into one accessible volume. Now, regular listeners will have heard me mention this project a couple of times already. My aim is to take the very best ideas and insights from the first 100 episodes of the Creative Writers Toolbelt and bring them together in this handbook. The crowdfunding campaign is going to support the development of the book covering editorial design and illustration costs. And as of today, the 4th of October, when I'm recording this podcast, the campaign is at 92% funded and there are seven days left. So it's going to go to the wire as to whether I can reach my target before that campaign finishes. And today I've posted an update on my crowdfund page, which gives you a peek at the overall structure of the book. So if you're interested in the campaign or seeing how the Creative Writers Toolbelt Handbook is taking shape, just go to indiegogo.com and look up the Creative Writers Toolbelt Handbook. Check out the update section where I've put some information there. If you'd like to support the campaign, there are loads of wonderful rewards available for contributors as well. I'm really excited about this handbook and my hope is that it's going to be of significant benefit to thousands of writers across the world. So once again, if you're interested, just go to Indiegogo.com. That's I-N-D-I-E-G-O-G-O.com. Look up the Creative Writers Toolbelt handbook there. So now let's get back to the issue of the deal that you, the author, have with your reader. If you've been writing for any length of time, and especially if you've shared your work with others, you'll have discovered how easy it is for a writer to make assumptions about characters and the setting and the environment in each scene. If the reader doesn't pick up on these assumptions, or if we mislead the reader in some way, we break the contract that we have with our readers. And that is that as writers, we will be competent and honest. Now, here's how a problem can develop in this area. As the writer of a scene, we can imagine in our own minds what's going on, who's standing where, what happens during the action. But unless we tell the reader what's happening, unless we give them the vital information that they need to follow the story properly, they're going to be jolted when they discover that something's out of place, something is amiss. And it's very easy for that to happen. It's very easy for the reader to take on a different perspective about what's happening in the scene than what we would have as writers. And this is all because either we've failed to share vital information and so failed in our commitment to competence, or we've deliberately misled the reader in an inappropriate way, and so breached our commitment to honesty. To show you how important this is, I want to read a short passage to you where the author manages to break both the commitment to competence and to honesty. Colonel Merritt, Sergeant Bob, and the Earl of Dunford clustered around the table. The Earl sipped his wine and the Colonel reached over to the drinks trolley for the bottle, filled a glass and sat down. Where's old Monty? said the Earl. Just coming, I think, said the Colonel. At that moment, Captain Monty Marks arrived. 
Rather cold out this evening, wouldn't you say, Bob? He said, rubbing his hands in front of the fire. A real nip in the air tonight. Care to join us for a game, old chap, said the Earl. Why not, said Captain Marks, and pulled up a chair. I say, Susan, said the Captain, turning to the woman next to him. You aren't going to thrash us all at cards again, are you? You'll just have to concentrate harder, won't you, said Susan, raising an eyebrow at her brother. Bob gave her a very dubious look, but she pressed on. We are all playing by the rules. Anyone can win. Well, I've been practising a bit, said the Earl. We'll have a bit of a game of it today. Susan leaned over to the right towards her husband and picked up the dice. It'll be a fair game, she said. I rather think you'll have the beating of us whatever we do, said her husband. Bob let out a sigh and Captain Marks shuffled the cards in rather expert fashion and a breeze started to blow as he dealt them across the table. Everyone took their hand and studied their cards. The Earl leaned to his right and whispered something to his wife. The captain, meanwhile, tried to keep a straight face. He flicked a glance at the colonel and then back to his cards. He wondered what the rest of them were holding and then he leaned towards Bob and was about to pass what he hoped would be a very ordinary comment in order to fool them all when the light faded, the clouds rolled in and fat, wet drops of rain started to fall. Blast it all, said the earl. Everyone in. He started off ahead of the rest of them back to the house. They all made it onto the veranda before the shower really took hold, the captain watching one of the footmen pick up the hamper with the wine in it, whilst the other brought the table with the two chairs. Well, I suppose we'll have to call the game void, said the colonel. What a shame, said the captain, looking at the earl. I really think I'd have given you a run for your money this time. Well, said the earl, time for a quick sherry before lunch. What do you think? And they both nodded at him as the lightning and thunder really got started. Now, I think you would have probably struggled a bit to follow that passage, and you would be forgiven for feeling that nothing was quite as it seems. Now, this passage shows a range of mistakes and misdirections that can occur when a writer either doesn't think about the assumptions that they've made, or they try to be clever and in the process just leave the reader feeling cheated and frustrated. And there are two fundamental problems here that we'll explore before we then go on to look at ways to resolve those problems. The first of our two problems is a failure of honesty. Readers need to know some critical aspects of characters and setting if they're going to follow a story properly. These are things that the writer shouldn't choose to reveal later just for dramatic effect. They are things which would be obvious to the reader if they were there. And if they're obvious, the reader should know about them up front. Failing to reveal them isn't clever, it's just going to irritate the reader. So for example, how many people were there in that scene that I read? Now you might think that the answer is five. Sergeant Bob, the Earl, the Colonel, the Captain and Susan. Now in fact, if you had been there and watched that scene, you would have seen that there were only three people because Sergeant Bob is in fact the Earl's dog and Susan is in fact Colonel Susan Merritt. The Colonel and the Susan are one and the same person. Now if the reader were there, they would know that immediately. But if the writer withholds that information from them, it doesn't actually become anything clever. It's just likely to cause irritation. Additionally, when the tables and chairs were brought in, there were only two chairs. Because the Earl is in a wheelchair. In the story, he never gets up or sits down. Now again, there's nothing clever about withholding this otherwise obvious information from the reader. And finally, we have the fact that the setting seems to change rather bizarrely from indoors to outdoors. Now this might be an amusing conceit on the part of the writer, but it equally might be a source of irritation for the reader. Unless you're writing something for readers who know that they have to be careful to look for these things, these sorts of tricks don't work well. It's fine if you're engaged in some kind of lateral thinking game with the reader, but otherwise you've broken the contract with them and you've not been honest. The second problem we can call a failure of competence. 
Now, at times, writers can just get it wrong. Characters can seem to be in two places at once, inanimate objects seem to move of their own accord, and characters seem to also have totally conflicting traits. Hair that is totally one colour at one moment and totally a different colour the next. Now these careless mistakes, continuity mistakes I suppose you could call them, are easy to make and every writer needs to be alert to them, especially in the editing stage when little details can be changed. And if you don't keep track of all of those little details, you can easily end up saying one thing which seems to be patently a contradiction of something else you've already said. So for example, in my story, Susan seems to lean forward to pick up some dice, but actually they're playing cards, so that seems to be a bit odd. She leans to the right to talk to her husband, and he also leans to the right to talk to her, but that can't really happen in real life. The captain refers to the fact that it's the evening, but later on the Earl talks about having sherry before lunch. The drink seems to be on a trolley at the start of the story, but then mysteriously it's in a hamper at the end. Now, all of these mistakes, including mistakes about where people are sitting or standing, where they are in relation to each other, and how they move around in a scene, are failures of competence. And the problem that we have as writers with both failures of honesty and failures of competence is that when they happen, the reader will become confused and, if we're not careful, disengaged from our story and will take no further part in it. So how can we avoid failures of competence and honesty? How can we keep our deal with the reader? Well, here's some ideas that you can apply to help. First, if something is obvious and important to the storyline, make sure the reader knows about it pretty quickly. That's a simple rule of thumb. If it's obvious and important, tell the reader. If a character has some obvious physical feature, for example, a missing limb perhaps, make sure the reader knows about that because if they were immersed in the story, they would notice it immediately. If the setting is a supernatural landscape where the sky is green and the trees are blue, make sure the reader knows this because if they discover it as part of the storyline later on, they will feel cheated. Why? Because they will know that they would have noticed this earlier on. It's an obvious feature in the story. So ask yourself the question, what's obvious and what's important in a scene? If something is both obvious and important, tell the reader. Secondly, you can use a technique from theatre known as blocking to make sure you understand where everyone is and where everything is as the scene progresses. Now, blocking in theatrical terms is the process of planning out the precise movements of actors during a scene so that the director and the actors themselves know exactly where they should be all the time. And this concept is very helpful for us as writers. Planning out the positions of your characters during a scene sounds like hard work, but it will avoid the all too easy mistake of forgetting to move a character or even having them come on or off in the first place and so confusing your reader. Thirdly, I often find myself spending part of my editing time making a lot of small amendments to a scene, either as an artistic decision or to make a scene more realistic or maybe to refine the sound of the writing or to adjust some other storyline problem that's cropped up. Now this is fine, but in the process it's easy to break the continuity of some other part of that scene or even something in a different scene. When you're reviewing your work, have in the back of your mind the commitments you've made to your reader to be honest, which is relatively easy, I think, and also to be competent, and that is a bit harder. And that brings me to my fourth point. Because it's difficult to keep track of all these things, get someone else to read your work and give you an objective assessment of what you've written. Ask them specifically to look out for these continuity problems and slips. 
So to summarise, as writers, we have an implicit deal with our readers, and that deal requires us to deliver a certain level of honesty and competence. It can be very easy to break this deal, either by us trying to be too clever and ending up being irritating, or through just making mistakes, continuity mistakes. Either way, these breaches will frustrate the reader and may drive them away. To avoid this problem, use the following techniques. First, if something is obvious and important to the storyline, make sure the reader knows about it pretty quickly in the scene. Second, make sure that you block your scene. Work out where each character should be at every point in the scene. And you can include people and furniture and the general environment in this. Third, check your work for continuity, especially when you edit. And finally, because that doesn't always pick up everything, get an independent person to read through your work and particularly have them look out for assumptions and mistakes. So that's all for this episode. If you're interested in finding out more about that Creative Writers Handbook project, just go to my crowdfund page. It's at indiegogo.com and look up the Creative Writers Toolbelt Handbook. If you want to get in touch with me, just drop me a line. It's andrew at andrewjchamberlain.com. I'm always interested to hear what listeners are doing in terms of their work. I'll put some notes for this episode up on Pinterest and I'll be back again soon with the next episode. But until then, thank you again for listening and goodbye. Mm-hmm.